Hello and welcome to this last plus segment of the Slate Culture Gab Fest. I'm Julia Turner, joined today by Dana Stevens, Aisha Harris, and Laura Miller. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this bonus segment of our show and for supporting Slate and the work that we do. Today, we are talking about beach reads. Is there such a thing? If so, what is it? And also, what do we read that was good this summer? Uh, I'll start with Dana. Dana, what do you look for in a beach read and what have you enjoyed that you read this summer? You know, we talked about this once before on the show. I think we long ago did a segment with Stephen probably was there on on beach reads and the concept of a beach read. And I think, as I said in that segment, I kind of do the reverse beach read. Like summer is the time that I might hope to hope and pray to have some vacation to take on a real book. And as some of our listeners know, I spent a few summers climbing my way up the mountain that is Moby Dick, and it was a great pleasure. And I would only read it on vacation in the summer. I would actually save it for summer vacation. It was my way to keep it from being this sort of guilt-inducing heavy read that was gathering dust on my bedstand. Instead, I would look forward to you know this period when I could lie, usually not on a beach, but under a pine tree somewhere, and read that book. So I like to take on heavy books in the summer. That's just me. Uh, But then again, I have another reading practice that I think is pretty common among readers, which is that I usually have a heavy book and a light book going at the same time. So, you know, I guess the idea of the beach read would be that you take your your light book onto the actual beach to read. Um, (laughs) And your heavy book, which in many cases, since especially because I'm doing historical research right now, is literally heavy, like it'll be a (laughs) 600-page tome of some kind, will just sit there stationary and be the book that, that waits for you before bed. Any specific titles from this summer? I mean, I guess I would say that the dense book I'm reading right now, although it's not a 600-page tome, this is like a little 150-page book that's wonderful that I highly recommend, but my sort of dense, vaguely academic book right now is called Picture Personalities, and it's a book that uh, was recommended to me about the emergence of the star system. So it's basically about the very beginning of cinema and sort of how did movie stars become movie stars and sort of how theatrical actors conceived themselves differently and how the sort of early fandom of movies created this thing that we call a movie star. It's really beautifully written. It's by Richard de Cordova. And uh, and that's that's a great recommendation. Um, so, so that one is, I would not call it heavy going, but it's a book that takes focus and concentration and occasionally uses words like hermeneutics that I have to look up every single time I read it because I can never remember what hermeneutics means. But the lighter book that I read this summer that I would also recommend is called No One Can Pronounce My Name. Have you heard about this book, Laura, as a book critic? Has it come across your, your yeah. desk? It's by Rakesh Satyal. It's his second novel. And full disclosure, I know Rakesh because he's my editor of the book that I'm writing right now. And, uh, and I sort of thought, well, if I sort of want to get to know the guy who's reading me, I should I should read him. And uh, his novel is really wonderful. It's about a group of it's sort of about the converging stories of a group of Indian Americans who meet um, whose paths cross in different ways. They're from different generations. One is a middle aged woman uh, who's sort of actually trying to invent herself as a YA novelist <laughs> relating back to our earlier topic. And, uh, and and her son is followed and lots of other characters. And they all sort of converge in, in comic ways. It's it's really beautifully written and fun book. No one can pronounce my name. So that would be sort of my my light and heavy for the not the whole summer, but the past few months. Aisha. What do you like to read on the beach or beach adjacently, uh, or at least in the summer months? And what have you enjoyed this summer? Uh, well, I haven't even been to the beach this summer, so that's sad. That's um, tragic. I know. I know. Well, in New York, it's hard. Um, I'm also not much of a book person. I don't really read books. I mostly read like long form magazines. Uh, but when I'm on the beach, I like to read Cosmo and like <laughs> really you like know, typical. Beach it up. Yeah, no, like I I don't want to be. I, I mean, I have done the whole like, let's read, read a long form Vanity Fair 
expose, whatever. Uh, I've done that, but like I much prefer to just read something that doesn't require much brain power. I mean, Cosmo, granted, I'll give it a little credit. They've gotten more into newsy topics and are much, you know, uh, they're not quite Teen Vogue, but you know, they're there. Um, but they also have like really stupid, they still have the, you know, embarrassing moments sections and all of that stuff. So I like to just keep it really simple. I know that feeling like to, I don't subscribe to any fashion magazines, but I, the pleasure of getting one of the September issues and reading the like mixed smell of the perfume tab with the sunscreen <laughs> and then whatever is on your sandwich, mayonnaise in my case, not in Dana's. Um, <laughs> so, yes. I'm on your side, Dana. Yes, sisterhood against mayonnaise. Um, like I, that is an incredibly strong sense memory of just like shiny pages horrible perfume smells salty breezes and whatever the sunscreen is you're using uh laura what is like you have an unusual relationship to this and that your whole job is reading like do you go to the beach and like knit like what's your well i am not a lie on the beach person but i really like swimming i really like swimming but only in wild bodies of water so the ocean in particular i will settle for like a lake even though they're kind of gross or a, or, or a river or a pond or something like that. But so I, I go to a place. I, I went away for a week um, in a beach cabin with a friend up in Maine. But for me, it's a vacation when I don't read anything and I just get to talk to people and be out in nature and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But since I drive up to Maine, I usually have special audio books picked that are just that is my most purely recreational reading. And I had two. One was William Finnegan's Barbarian Days. <sighs> yeah, I know. Because surfing is the only sport that I find even remotely beautiful, interesting, or inspiring. Oh, this is the book you endorsed recently, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is just a story of a surfing life. And it's just, I grew up in a beach town and it just like, it kind of took me back in this particular way. I've never been a surfer, but I have nothing but respect for surfers. I just think what they do is incredible and um, fascinating. So uh, that was, I really enjoyed that. And then the Long Pursuit, and it's a collection of autobiographical essays by Richard Holmes, who I think is the greatest living biographer. He does specialize in the Romantic poets and also scientists of that period, and his Coleridge biography is the best biography I've ever read. It's completely captivating, and um. I don't know. He's one of those people that everything that he writes is worth reading. And so these are just sort of essays about being a young writer and or and trying to write about Shelley and then, you know, get, get finally getting a job in a university. It's just it just it doesn't really matter. It's just like anything this guy writes is is amazing. Although I say that as a well-established fan, and if I were going to recommend one of his books to anybody, it would be that Coleridge biography. And Coleridge was such a crazy, drug-addicted, inspired, utopian, crazy man that it's just Oh, my God. I love a good literary biography. I'm noting that down oh, right it's, now. It's the best, Jane. I just I, – I, I can recommend it more wholeheartedly than almost any What's book I can What's the name of the Coleridge bio? Just called Coleridge. It's in two volumes. Oh boy! So there, that'll be my bedside. But they just—they just float by. They're just so delicious. I can't even. 
I can't even describe them. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. What do you make as a book critic of the concept of the beach read? Like, do you... um, Do you feel some duty to anoint them for others, even though it is not your chosen pursuit? Or do you scoff at the overall concept? I like the concept. And I think that if you're going to recommend summer reading to people, you should pick something that's like Aisha's Cosmo or something that is light. Because when people ask you for that, they mostly like if they want to read War and Peace, they already know that. (laughs) And so what they mostly want is for you to tell them about the next Gone Girl or or some really great sort of light romantic comedy. And you should make an effort to, to, to tell them about those books and not say, oh, I'm going to be reading Wittgenstein. Oh, my God. Is that what I sounded like? <laughs> no, I'm no, so no. Sorry. I'm not saying I'm, I am not saying that. It's just, it's just that if, if you're recommending summer reads to people as opposed to just talking about what you read in the summer, then I just don't think you should pick something that is going to be difficult for them to read. I mean, often... I I always think of them as books that you can read on an airplane and not and be distracted from the misery of being on a plane because for me that's almost the most important vacation reading like what I don't lie on a beach I go swimming so I don't really need a book for the beach but that the torture of travel <laughs> is really the place where you need something I want, transporting you know yeah. what book or books completely straddle that line perfectly are the Elena Ferrante yeah. novels and we yeah. talked about that on the show I think the, the summer that I went to Japan which was the longest time at the time flight I had ever taken until we went to Australia <laughs> this year um, I was reading those novels and I didn't want to get off the plane they're they're yeah. perfect they're beautiful and literary and incredible that's a great example. But they're also unputdownable yeah. as hell. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, that kind of sticky page turniness is important. I have a bit of the Dana situation where I've flipped. Like, I really like to read a print book or maybe a Kindle book before bed at night. Like, I spend so much of the day awash in, like, pings and bleeps from everywhere looking at everything that I like to be more disconnected from the internet for half an hour before bed. But I want, but I'm, like, mentally exhausted and I just want page turning. And I have told you this already, Laura, but I've become a complete fool for Tana French. I'm so the happy. Irish murder mystery writer. And I've now either. She's actually American. Oh, she is. She lives in Ireland, but she's American. <laughs> you must. I mean, I must, have, I must have known that. Um, but that's so interesting. Um, anyhow, I've now read, I think, five of the six Dublin Murder Squad books she's written. It's possible I've finished them and I'm just in denial about the fact that there isn't one remaining to read. And those have kept me company through my non-vacation times. And then when you have kids, you don't even really quite get the uninterrupted beach stretch to just read. So there's something musical about it. I don't know the right turn. I'm sure Dana does. They they all have very similar elements that are composed in different orders in each one. But uh, yeah, Faithful Place was, is my favorite thus far, not counting the sixth one, which I either have read and forgotten or not read yet. Um, but so, the, so those would be my strong recommendation to anyone who wants something that is page turny, but will not fill you with uh, remorse and shame about <laughs> its ability to turn to make you turn pages. Uh, Homegoing, the novel by Yad Gassi, I read this summer and is not a light beach read at all, but is one of those books that's worth your time if you um, get a concerted amount of time. And it's also constructed as a series of short stories, so you don't quite have to have like an unmitigated stretch of hours for it. And then I also read a book that's a beach read that I do not 
feel good about having read called Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar oh, with really? that book. Yeah. I heard it's great. They're... And it's becoming a movie. It's becoming a movie. It should definitely be becoming a TV show and not a movie. It, so Crazy Rich Asians is a series of books. It's like Jane Austen, Mankay among super wealthy Asians, mostly centered in Singapore, but eventually the series hops around to like Shanghai and Hong Kong and Sydney and like all over the place. Um it's incredibly readable. It's sort of grotesquely and aspirationally focused on uh, the lives of the super rich. Like it's probably like the same as reading, not Cosmo, but like Vogue or W or something. Like yeah. it's extremely studded with brand names of like the kind of candle that would be on the bedside table and the particular brands that everybody's wearing and what they're driving and the model of car. Like it's it's like a issue of a super luxury magazine you have uh, a humble entrant into this super elite world who guides you through it uh, one thing that is interesting about it I mean it's it's written by Kevin Kwan he's Singaporean um, one thing that's it traffics in these stereotypes and sort of mocks all of the super rich characters for all of the snobbery they have towards the other super rich characters and so it it like trots out like what are people like in Hong Kong? What are people like in Shanghai? What do Singaporeans think of mainland Chinese? What do mainland Chinese think of Taiwanese? Like it it lays out this incredibly rigid social hierarchy that reminds you of like Barchester Towers or, uh, you know, like landed gentry, like, not you know, novels from the 1800s um, in a way that is both. I guess I have lots of thoughts about it because I'm still talking about it. <laughs> I want to. There have been a couple really good pieces about the series, and I finished the book and want to go read the pieces about the series because it's like refreshing to have a world in which the rich and powerful people are not white, and yet it's trafficking in very uh, negative stereotypes about a bunch of Asian people, except they're rich people that are being made fun of, which is a classic and uh, time honored literary trope. And the characters are like. Uh, not twilight level thin, but not ton of French level rich. Like they might, they might hover some slightly sub Hunger Games level developed. <laughs> I would say, like so, pretty competent, but not, but not literary. The Julia Turner scale of character. <laughs> well, uh, within within Beach Reads, within Page yeah. Turners, yeah. like Twilight yeah. and Dan Brown, you're like. This is sucking my soul. This is like anti-literary. <laughs> yeah. I'm losing vocabulary. Each, each words. page weighs a hundred pounds. <laughs> no, you're like I. I could not put down those two books I read, but but it was like a linguistically abhorrent experience. Uh, Tana French is like just literature that happens to be in the form of a mystery, and then Hunger Games is like incredibly competent genre. And I guess I would put Crazy Rich Asians there too. But the just racial aspect of it is surprising probably mostly good but also sort of bad and i want to read a bunch of smart pieces about it i'll go read some and i'll point you guys to them but that's what i've been reading on the beach that took so long sorry <laughs> uh if our listeners have read uh, any of the crazy rich asians books i would be curious for them to point me to smart things to read about them uh and if i find some i will share them all right well listeners if you have great beach reads please please share them on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash culturefest. Thank you so much for supporting Slate and the journalism that we do. We'll talk to you next week.